Welcome to the Keep Rising podcast, hosted by Project Still I Rise Incorporated. Project Still I Rise is a community-based nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering today's youth for tomorrow's opportunities. This podcast is dedicated to education, empowerment, and inspiration on behalf of young people and communities across the nation. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another segment of Keep Rising, powered by Project Still Rise. It's your beloved host here, Nick Howard, and I'm glad to be on another episode here today. Today, we're going to be talking about the advances of technology with no other uh, great guest than we have here today, Sean Scott. Uh, Sean's a great guy. Uh, I'd like to get to know more about him. So, Sean, tell us about yourself, the field you're in your hobbies and uh, how you got into tech. Sure. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Nick. Um, so I, I work in IT, but also I work for a healthcare company. Um, so, you know, I think over the last 20 years, you've started to see where technology has been kind of combined in pretty much every other field. So there's a, there's a, you know, there's definitely a technical piece of what I do, but, um, you know, healthcare has since about 2000 um, been heavily investing in, you know, becoming more technologically advanced um, due to, you know, government regulations um, that were enacted 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, like, how unsophisticated sometimes in an in industry can be. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm learning in, in this world. Um, as, as more stuff, you know, gets tech added to it. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I started computer uh, programming when I was about seven. Um, and I'm 43 now, so it's, it's been a little while. Um, but it, it started, I used to spend my summers with my grandparents, and they were both teachers. And my grandma, uh, one year, bought a computer. Um, she bought it just to kind of keep her grades electronically. Um, and I, when I came down, I started playing on it. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. She would take me to the store and get me programming books mm-hmm. and different games on there. And I slowly started spending all my time in front of a computer screen um, back in the early 80s. Um, so that's, that's just kind of been my thing yeah. um, ever since then. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed because I could have never imagined back then um, when computer software came on cassette tapes <laughs> that we'd be, you know, one day talking over a computer and, you know, we're looking at video through a, a camera in, in the top of my computer. Yeah. Um, and just, there's all the stuff that we have today. Like I would have never seen this coming and know to know now that, um, you know, I'm running a company um, that relies on technology pretty heavily. Yeah, definitely, man. It's just a, uh... There's a hearing you talk just uh it's like a a passion for it like you had it since a young age and it's just um that community that you had around you is like pushed you towards it which like like leads us perfectly to our next question is like how do you see technology reshaping our communities you know a community that pushed you now how do you see it reshaping our communities um i i i i think it's one of those things that you're starting to see it infiltrate every aspect of our lives um, you know, 
not too many things that you touch in any given day yeah. are not connected to the internet at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have the ceiling fan on behind you. Well, you know, <laughs> technically, you know, with the right equipment, I could control that ceiling fan from, from where I'm at yeah. uh, across town from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have smart locks in our homes. Um, you know, I've seen some stuff where Apple's working on, you know, controlling your car from your phone. Um, but both unlocking it and then, you know, so you don't need a key anymore. Yeah. So all these analog things that we've, you know, had for our entire lives, um, everything is becoming digital. And so, you know, even you look at our, you know, our money, um, you went from a, you know, pretty much a completely cash society um, to now, you, you know, it's, it's rare. I know for me, it's rare that I actually have cash on hand. Even a credit card. Um, yeah, like everything <laughs> runs through a debit card. Every yeah. every transaction I do is electronic now. Yeah. Um, and then you look at like things like Bitcoin, where you have a fully digital currency, um, and all these cryptocurrencies out here. So just it's everything you everything you can think about, technology is touching that in some way or some mm-hmm. form or another. Well, will some of our communities be left behind because of the lack of access and information? Um, unfortunately so. Um, I think we saw that a lot in the past 18 months mm-hmm. when COVID struck. Um, the, the biggest place where we saw that was kids didn't have access to the internet. Yeah. Um, and every school, you know, pretty much globally was forced to go online to, to research students. And, you know, this is something I've talked about for years, um, the lack of access in low-income communities to high-speed internet. And if we had addressed this over the last 20 years, we would have been prepared for 2019 to happen. Um, unfortunately, we, or 2020 to happen. Um, unfortunately, we were caught off guard. You know, you know nobody can predict <laughs> that you're gonna have something that's gonna shut the whole world down because that's never happened in anybody's lifetime before. Um, but here we are, and you know, it was, it was good to see, you know, the response to some degree um, where schools had plans to, um, you know, equip every, every student with a tablet or laptop. Um, a lot of schools invested heavily in hotspots mm-hmm. uh, for kids that didn't have, um, you know, access to the internet at home. But my question is, what took so long? Yeah. Um, you know, my sister's a teacher. And, you know, when school shut down in 2020, it happened, it's, it happened over spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, so the week before they, the few days before they went on spring break, the teachers got to notice that, hey, on Friday, we're sending every kid in the district home with a device because um, there's a chance we may not be coming back to school. So the thing is, like, if y'all could do that, where did all these devices magically come from? <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't order. Dallas ISD has 150,000 students almost. Yeah. You can't order 150,000 devices. <laughs> Overnight, minibike. So <laughs> they've been holding out. That's what they've, they've been, been holding on to this stuff all this time. <laughs> and these kids could have been using these devices all this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, when they were forced to make make that action, they did, and I'm thankful for that. But it, it shouldn't take a global pandemic to use the resources we have at our disposal, especially when it comes to our kids. We should be throwing everything we possibly can at them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. We, we got all these hot spots and now you actually have, you know, districts that are working directly with companies like AT&T and investing in towers mm-hmm. in low income neighborhoods to provide the entire neighborhood with Internet. Why did it take COVID to make that happen? 
Yeah. Because <laughs> that's something we could have done. We could have. Yeah. We're fighting problems now that we could have solved 20 years ago if people actually cared to, to solve these problems. And now we're left with no choice. So we don't have, we have to, we have to fix this stuff. But, you know, when people complain about this stuff, this is, this is why we've been complaining for the last 20, 30 years about, you know, the digital divide and all these things, because when these kinds of things happen, this is where they're, you know, seen the most. Yeah, definitely, man. I agree with you on that. It's just, it's crazy how it, it took, like you said, a whole pandemic for everything to change from education to technology to, to finances to people, you know, understanding more about business is, is it kind of gave everybody a setback to see where they're at in their life and where they want to go. And it realizing it's not, it's not the right way. And uh, it's crazy that it took us a whole pandemic that we had to sit down to, and it was kind of like God just sitting us down and like making us wait to see, like now we got to start doing the right steps to, you know, in order to change the future for not us, but for the, the ones that's after us. So uh, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, we're going to come back and uh, hope y'all enjoying the show so far. This podcast is brought to you by Project Still Our Rise, home of the National Youth Chamber of Commerce. The chamber is dedicated to youth entrepreneurship success through the facilitation of education and access. For additional information on the National Youth Chamber, please visit the website at www.nychamberpsir.org. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back from break. And once again, it's your beloved host, Nick Howard, on the Keep Rising podcast with our guest today, Sean Scott. And we're te- talking about why tech still matters, why technology still matters. And so far, so good. It's been a great show. Uh, Sean's just given us a lot of insight about um, the different advances before the pandemic and after the pandemic with the technology and, you know, how it's shaping our communities and whatnot. And, you know, how it's going to help uh, shape the future for the ones after us. So, uh, Sean, I was reading a report the other day. It said a STEM background is now being required for many of the fast growing jobs of the future. But currently, only 6% of computer science and engineering students are African American. How can we, uh, what do we do and how can we close this gap? Um, so, there, I have a lot, lots of different thoughts about this. Um, because, and so I think one place we start is, is we quit telling kids that you're never gonna use this information again after you get out of school. Um, I've heard that my entire life and I don't think anything could be further than the truth. Um, even if you think you may not use the information, it's better to have the knowledge and not use it than to need it and not have it. And, and so I think that's, that's where we're at today while we have all these job vacancies. I've been trying to hire people on my team for over a year and we get unqualified people and we pay very well um but you know you have to start young um and i mean like two three four years old you know getting kids on this path um because a lot of it um once they get into school and start feeling defeated by math and science and technology and actually the technology piece is not the problem with these kids like today's kids are digitally native they got a tablet, iPhone, something in their hand from the age of two on. <laughs> um, they can't read, but they can navigate YouTube. <laughs> um, um, 
So they they have they that part is is already settled for them. Yeah. But the thing I think we need to figure out how to do is 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 convert them from being consumers of of this um, you know content yeah. um, to actually being creators of the stuff. Um, because as long as you're a consumer, you're all you're doing is making someone else rich. Yeah. Um, and, and give them all your time. But you know, I, I think you know an early focus on you know critical thinking, um, problem solving. Um, those are the things that, you know, if you start that early in a child's life and get them on that path to thinking about things in a different way, I think that that helps them for the rest of their journey. Yeah. Um, because it's really hard to teach critical thinking to a 40 year old who's never really invested in that skill set before. Mm-hmm. So it's not just math or science or physics or whatever, but it's, it's just the mindset behind it. Like, how do you say I have this big problem and how do I break this big problem down into smaller issues that I can then solve? Mm-hmm. And maybe if there's five small issues, I can solve two of them. Then I go find someone else who can solve the other three. Um, but that's the type of thinking that a lot of people are just unfortunately not equipped with. Um, because, you, you know, we, we have a society and an educational system that has trained people for years. You know, they want to tell you how to think. Um, and then, you know, when you get something that's outside of the box of what you've been trained on, you have no clue on what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just got to change the mindset uh, for for our community. Um, and I, you know, I th- I think you know a, a follow on thing with that is we have to encourage kids that it's okay to be intelligent. Yeah, and stop discouraging that and making it seem like oh you're nerdy or you know there's something wrong with you. No, yeah, we're the only community that does that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, <laughs> I tell my kids this all the time. Like, be brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But <laughs> don't dim your light to make other people comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, because I know I did that a lot in my childhood um, so that I didn't stand out as much because, you know, if you didn't stand out, then you kind of blended in. You didn't get picked on and whatnot. But, you know, these kids have to know that, you know, your intelligence is one of the most important things about you. Um, and you should, you should wear that proudly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it could, it could change a whole ball game for us and, we could see so much. We, we could dominate every group and, and, uh, and every industry in the world if, if you, we just change the mindset for our, for our community. Um, do you feel that tech companies are equipped and have the right people in place to mentor African-Americans in the tech space? Yes and no. Um, you know, over the last um, probably two years or so, you've seen a lot of focus on the corporate side of the world. Um, on these on diversity, inclusion, and, and equity, mm. um, you you know you've seen a lot of companies hiring you know DEI, you know VP of DEI, or um, there's lots of job titles out there. I get I, I I get emails all the time from diversity recruiters at Facebook and LinkedIn and Microsoft and all these big companies. So they're hiring recruiters whose sole focus is to bring in more people of color. Um, I don't fully know how I feel about that um, because just for me personally, you know, I've been in the industry a long time. Um, I want to go through the same door everybody else goes there through because I think I'm, I'm, I'm capable of that. Um, it's not to say there's not a need for that, but I think to some degree, we do ourselves a disservice. Um, and we have to be real careful. It's a real fine line. 
so that when we do get these people in these companies, it's not it's it's bigger than bringing them to a side door, but also making them feel welcome and a part of the company culture once they arrive on day one. Mm-hmm. And through day, you know, through year two, three, four, do I feel supported as as a, a employee of color in this organization? Because a lot of times, what's happening is they're getting them in the door and they don't stay very long mm-hmm. because the culture is it's not a cultural fit. Um, and it, it, you know, for some people, it could be you know they they wanted the the money. Because you know these companies pay extremely well, um, but long term you don't want to deal with the headache that comes with, you know, kind of being an outcast and realizing that they really don't want you there, but they had to check the box um, for their stock price. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you there there's it's a lot of that that we still have to navigate. Um, yeah. But you know there's there's been a, enough talk about this over the last few years that it's something that comp- especially large corporations um, focus on. Um, I think, you know, we're still in the early stages of it. Um, you know, I've, I've been in this industry in tech, you know, my whole life. Um, most places I've ever worked, I'm the only black person. Um, I, I tell people to, to this day, when in my job, and I'm the CIO of my company, um, I don't think I've ever been in a meeting yet since I've been here for two and a half years that I've seen another person of color on the other side of the table that didn't work here. Um, so we still have a long way to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just like in my my short career, you know, one year at the college, I can see it firsthand. It's like don't don't put me in a box just because, like you say, you trying to you trying to meet your quota or whatnot. Just give me a fair shot as everybody else. And if I if I don't qualify just because off of my skill sets and what else I have, then don't give me the job. Just I don't, I don't want to be in a space where I'm uncomfortable. And you're uncomfortable, so definitely. And you, you know real fast. You mm-hmm. know real fast if you're there as a quota or mm-hmm. if you're there because they genuinely want you there. Yeah, um, definitely. And and you know at the end of the day, it's it's you know, it's a process that it, it takes time. Um, unfortunately, some people are going to have to be the quota. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they can get in some of these organizations and show what they're capable of and really be, you know, change agents in that organization for them to be more comfortable with hiring more people from that background. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to understand a lot of this, you know, it's all about who you know and who you're exposed to. And we have a lot of divisions in our society where people from different backgrounds just don't communicate very much on a general basis. Yeah. And so when I go out to hire someone, if I don't know anyone from that side of town or that that group of people, it's really hard for me to hire mm-hmm. when I don't know anybody who fits that description. Um, so I, th- I think we're, you know, like I said, relatively early um, in the grand scheme of things of, of really better integrating, you know, kind of social circles and, and getting people access to these types of positions. But I've seen a lot of movement, um, lots of groups on Facebook and LinkedIn that are dedicated to where you have people that are like on my side of this reaching back and mentoring people who are just getting started. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it um, because then you have someone who, who's been through what you're going through and can help you navigate, you know, whatever those barriers may be in you know, any particular company. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, how should we be inspiring future digital leaders, you know, moving forward? Um, I think one of the best ways is just by example. Uh, if you if you set a good example for people and, and let them see that, um, 
I think that's the best thing you could do. Um, but I, I, you know, another piece of that is is that mentoring again, kind of sponsorship uh, piece of you know once you've gotten into the role that you've been aiming for, then holding that door open for other people. Um, and it's not to say that you only look out for people of color or whatever, but you don't turn a blind eye and say, I've made it now and I'm not, you know, I'm not dealing with anybody else because, you know, there's so many positions out here and so many different skills that are needed. Uh, we need as many of us in this, in this industry as we possibly can get. Um, like I said, we, we can't, we can't get, print people out fast enough. Um, and so just really showing people, you know, that we exist. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm a CIO in a healthcare company. There's not too many nationally. There's not too many black CIOs in healthcare companies anywhere in the United States. Um, there's there there are some, but it's not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a small company or a medium size or you know a Fortune 500 company. There's not very many of us. Mm-hmm. But I think once people see people like me, and you know, eventually like you as you grow in your career. Mm-hmm. And they'll see that that's possible, and you know they'll approach us and ask us how we did it, and we tell them, and you know, like, hey, let me help, let me help you out, and you know, open a few doors for you. Yeah. Um, and that's just that gets the process starting. And but I think the thing to keep in mind is not an overnight thing. Um, some things do happen very fast, but overall, to, to see the main numbers rise, it's going to take years. Yeah. Um, but I think we are we're at least moving in the right direction. Definitely is like we 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 definitely gotta have more more leaders in the digital area, business area, science, or every other area but sports. We got a lot of leaders in sports in the African community, but it's time for us to start diversifying ourselves because you know, not too many of us are you know it's only one percent that's gonna make it to the NFL, NBA, MLB. You know, so we got to start diversifying and and making more opportunities for ourselves. Instead, and if you even look at you know some of the top athletes like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin mm-hmm. Garnett, uh, Kevin Durant, um, they are investing heavily in technology. Yeah. Um, so they're they're opening their eyes to the opportunities that mm-hmm. exist here, um, and you, you're you're starting to see uh, a shift amongst professional athletes and entertainers. Yeah. Where it's not I'm investing in my homeboy's barbecue restaurant no more, <laughs> but it's like nah, I was one of the the, the angel investors in Instagram. Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant, <laughs> people don't know this, but Kevin Durant's one of the biggest investors in this country at this point. Yeah. Um, LeBron, along with LeBron. That's one of the reasons LeBron was just, you know, named a billionaire. <laughs> um, I mean, you think about that, he's a billionaire. He's still playing actively. Yeah. And maybe around for a few more years. Um, so, I mean, those guys are, you know, looking at when they retire, I want to go buy an NBA franchise at this point. Yeah. They have the money to do it. Um, so it's, 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 it's a shift all around. Um, yeah. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with becoming an athlete because I, I played basketball all the way through college. For yeah. some people, that might be the thing that gets them out of, you know, where they're at. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely a matter of having something else to also do because your athletic career is only going to last so long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, when should we start teaching technology to students and what advice would you give a student today who has a strong passion for STEM? Um, fresh out the womb. <laughs> um, it's like I said, he, these kids, I have a five-year-old daughter who yeah. just started kindergarten. This little girl will tell you she can't read, 
<laughs> but if I give her my iPad, she can find anything she needs to find on my iPad. You know, start opening YouTube, go find the videos that she wants to watch. <laughs> like they 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 know this stuff. Um, so I think the more we enable that, the better off they're gonna be. Um, what advice would I give to somebody who's interested in STEM? Um, you know, realize that STEM is a huge field. Um, and there's probably some aspect of STEM that exists in every other field as well. Um, you think about, um, you know, this is something I tell girls all the time. You think about the cosmetics industry. Um, you know, every girl wears makeup or puts stuff in, you know, chemicals in their hair at some point in their life. Well, all that stuff is dictated by chemistry. And we overlook that to know that's what, that's one of the biggest applications of chemistry that exists, the cosmetics industry. Um, and then you also look at like the pharmaceutical industry and how much chemistry and all that goes into that. Um, so that there's there's some aspect of STEM in almost everything that we do today. Yeah. Um, so you know, research as much as you can. Um, you know, you have the whole internet at your fingertips. So finding information is is extremely easy these days. Um, but then also after that, I'd say go find you a mentor someone who's in that field and show you how to navigate to get where you're trying to be. And maybe you have more than one. Um, but I think those are probably the two best things that I would recommend for people trying to get started. Yeah, definitely. Can't never have enough mentors. You can always find mentors. Well, whole I, life. <laughs> you know, we say that, but I think you also have to be careful. You don't want to go into mentor overload. Yeah. At some point you actually have to do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you have to do trial and error. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I don't I don't TikTok. Um, and a lot of these newer apps that the younger people use, I could care less. I just I don't have the time in my day to deal with that stuff. Um, so don't get so caught up in like listening to everything a mentor may say, because there's parts of what you may want to do. They don't understand. And so that's the thing that I went through a lot in my childhood was that I was doing the thing that no one else knew anything about. Um, thankfully, my parents and my grandparents just let me be and didn't discourage me too much. But you also have to understand that the majority of our community doesn't understand what we're talking about. Um, so when people may speak negatively about what you're looking to do because they don't understand it, if you're passionate about it, you're going to you're going to pursue it regardless. Yeah. Um, but you have to remember that, you know, it's it's. No, they're, they're, okay, there are some people that just don't care about you. That's true. But overall, a lot of it just comes down to a lack of understanding of what's involved to do a particular thing. Um, and when we don't know anything about that thing, we tend to discourage people from doing something that we don't know anything about yeah. and trying to make people comfortable doing the things that we know the most about because that's where we can help them. Um, but, you know, and I, so like I said, this, I, 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 just balance that. Um, don't do everything because someone else told you to do it. Yeah, definitely have a fine balance because uh, nobody's going to ever give you – everybody's path is different because you're not going to have the specific steps to, oh, let's let's find a way to make a million dollars. You got to follow steps one through 12. Uh, it's, it's not going to work for everybody. Everybody's path is different. Either. So, so far Yeah, you so have far. a lot of people um, – you have a lot of people out on the internet and I won't mention any names necessarily, but, you know, 
a lot of people that have these programs and they want to charge you for this to give you advice. And if you just follow my, you know, 10 steps, then you're going to be a millionaire. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, there are no concrete 10 steps to, to becoming a millionaire. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, everybody's path is going to be different. Everybody gets some breaks along the way that you didn't see coming. Um, and the biggest, the biggest thing is just be prepared for whatever comes your way. Mm -hmm. Um, but you just never know when you're going to catch a lucky break. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is just being, you know, showing up every day. And every now and then, life throws you a few curveballs. And you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, you know, I, one, one thing that I, that's helped me in the last 18 months, um, professionally, COVID may be the best thing that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. I work in healthcare. Um, you, know, you know, my company is running one of the largest COVID testing platforms in the world. Um, at this point, that platform is doing over a million tests a month. Um, and we started out, you know, doing a couple hundred here and there. Um, so, you know, just to stay ready, um, cause you just never know when, um, life is going to come knocking with some opportunity. And if my grandma didn't sit me in front of that computer back in 1984, I wouldn't be prepared to help save the world from COVID in 2020. Yeah. Um, you never just, that's, it's, it's crazy how it all works, but you know, that's, that's where we're at. Yep. Stay ready. So you won't have to get ready. Sean, we thank you. We thank you for another great episode, man. Just a lot of important information. I didn't know a lot about technology and what was going on in the communities and how it affected before and after the pandemic. So uh, we just thank you for a great episode. Uh, again, follow us on uh, Project Still Arise on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We thank y'all for tuning in to Keep Rising Podcast. We hope to see y'all on the next episode. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, man. We hope you enjoyed listening to this segment of Keep Rising with Project Still Our Rise. Please stay connected with us by visiting our website at www.psir.org. We look forward to you joining us next week. And remember, whatever you do, keep rising.